The following bonus episode was initially created for Amy Bong's Intro to Gender and Women's Studies class. Lucy Gold and August Kahn were my incredible partners on the project. This episode is a general exploration of reclaiming language. What power does it hold? What are its limitations? When does it work? And when does it not? Words are battled over all the time. There are so many worthy of study, but we decided specifically to focus on two, queer and bitch. Just to let you know, those, as well as other derogatory language, are used quite frequently in this episode. For the project, we interviewed over 10 Claremont students about their conceptions of these two words. Though we asked each of them the same set of questions, the variety of responses was impressive. In between the interviews, August, Lucy, and I interspersed some short anecdotes and tidbits of theory. I promise it never gets too esoteric. Just the right amount. Do enjoy. Hello, and welcome to our podcast about reclaiming language made for Professor Amy Bong's Intro to Gender and Women's Studies class. This podcast was made by the Bitch Brigade, consisting of myself, Eli Cohen, Lucy Gold, and August Kahn. We hope you enjoy. I'm August. Uh, I'm a white Jew from white gay Jew from Providence, Rhode Island. And I'm a junior at Pitzer. Um, my name is Lucy. I'm a sophomore at Pomona, and I am a white woman from Oakland, California, white cis woman from Oakland, California. I'm studying, not fully sure yet, but uh, I am interested in politics and religious studies and gender and women's studies. With this podcast, we sought to understand the power within derogatory language, the origins of that power, and the specific mechanisms by which it manifests. More specifically, we wanted to see how these notions were complicated through the process of reclaiming language. By language reclamation, we mean the reassociation of typically demeaning words with empowering affirmations or even signals of solidarity and belonging. This process doesn't always seem to work, however, and even if it does, it rarely happens on similar timelines or by similar mechanisms. We want to determine the factors that make this so with a specific awareness of who can make associations for which words and in what contexts. So we went about interviewing our classmates around the Claremont colleges, trying to figure out what people's perceptions were of reclaiming language. We focused specifically on two words, queer and bitch. And when interviewing each person, asked a similar set of questions each time. The rest of the podcast is organized by question. And every now and then, we'll interject to give you some theory and some of our research, which should help explain why we chose to talk about the things that we did. Uh, Michael, Andy, he, him, he's. I think that's it, I think. Okay. Uh, my name is Alejandra, and I am a rising senior at Pomona College. I'll be graduating in the fall of 2019. I am from San Bernardino, California, but I was born in Chiclayo, Peru, and I am Latinx. I am a woman, and as of right now, <laughs> I am currently straight, but we'll see. Who knows? <laughs> okay. Um, my name is Jordi Pedroza. I'm 20 years old. Um, I am, um, I identify myself as Latino, dad's Brazilian, mom's Panamanian, um, 
from White Passing. Um, my hometown is uh, Miami, uh, 305, do I die? Pitbull is the god. Um, what else? <laughs> like <how> that's <laughs> it's true. This is what we do. Like 305, do I die? <laughs> um, what else? I think I'm 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, my name is Jeremy, and I am a straight man. Wait, what? Gender, sex, straight man from Denver. Is that it? Race? Oh, straight white man from Denver. (laughs) My name is Issei. I'm 19 years old, and I identify as a white cis woman. I was raised Jewish in New York by two Jamaican parents. Hello, my name is Soleil Balvanzi. I am a senior at Pomona College, originally from New York City, and I am majoring in art history and politics. So to start out, we just asked each interviewee if they were comfortable using the words and to tell us the first thing that came to mind. This is what people had to say about the word queer. So for queer... um. I think the first thing that comes to mind is kind of, hmm, yeah, this is actually interesting. Hmm. A lot of people say that word to like show support in terms like, like for example, like if you're a man and like you're not gay, but you could definitely find another man attractive. I feel like a lot of people say like, oh, I'm queer. and That makes me queer, hmm. which is kind of like, again, like I think queer is like one of those, like, it's like really strange word. Like, you know, like, it's like, it's not offensive to say that you're queer or someone else is queer, but at the same time, like, it brings up the question as to whether or not, like, if you're queer, like, if that even means anything, per se. Hmm. Like, you know, like, I don't mind anyone identifying as queer, but, like, I'm not sure how, like, um, some communities feel about, like, a lot of people labeling themselves queer, even though, like, because their definition of queerness means like understanding of like attraction to people okay if that make which is kind of weird no I, I, yeah i see where you're coming from because our experiences are not uniform there needs to be some acknowledgement amongst first amongst like queer people that we are going to have different relationships to these words and that it that it is possible to say um this word holds a lot of violence for me and I would prefer if you are not queer to not use it around me and to also hold space to understand that that might not be applicable in every situation, say a situation in which there is a queer person who solely identifies as queer or who who prefers to only be referred to in that way. And so I think that there needs to be an understanding and, and a work well, and also healing work as well to be able to be in a place where we can hold these contradictory experiences. But it's all—it's also ultimately up to kind of like a, a a contextual like situation. What did you think about what Jordy said when he was talking about queer, which is that he he started to define it um, kind of in the manner of not straight, but then he was thinking, well, you can. You can, you know, be a um, recognize that someone of the same gender is is attractive, but you 
you're not gay, but maybe that's still queer. And he kind of bounced between a couple of different definitions and then sort of conceded that it was more complicated than he realized and he wasn't sure what the word quite meant at all. Got it. Yeah, so just to clarify, so there's a few things. So there's queer as kind of this kind of ambivalent space of like that that kind of lives outside of the boundaries of gay and straight, what you're saying. And there's also kind of possibly even if you're not fully gay and you're not fully straight, so to speak, then you're queer. That's kind of what I'm hearing. Is that what you're saying? I, I do They're think kind of these two I things. I do think that's what he was getting at, yeah. I think that actually speaks to kind of the exact job that queering tries to do is that it disrupts this idea of boundary, of, of binary, this kind of you're gay or you're straight, because queer kind of operates kind of beyond that. It's kind of this like, um, it is in itself a manifestation of like the other, the other way of thinking, uh, not of the other, but like of another means of thinking, of yeah. an outside, of a way that hasn't been normative. And these spaces that haven't normally been recognized by kind of the traditional binary ways of thinking that we've kind of, that many of us have been raised in, kind of are taken up by queer, kind of this, which t- does the job of kind of giving voice to the outside, to the, to the liminal, to the, to the quote unquote, like strange. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, yeah, I think it was interesting because a lot of, a lot of what was said in the interviews um, about queer, it seems that there was a lot of comfort in using the word, but not a lot of certainty about what it meant. Um, which I think was quite different from the word bitch. People were quite sure what it meant, but felt a lot less comfortable about using it. And I, maybe that, maybe that's connected, mm. but, yeah, that's, yeah. um, I think, I think one of the, the things that Jordy got at that a lot of other speakers didn't was the idea of queer sort of like what you w- were just saying, August, that like queer is, um, rejects the idea of there being a binary between, um, gay people and straight people and I think that's kind of like what Kathy Cohen was saying about like if you want to take up the true potential of radical queer politics it means deconstructing the idea of this static sexuality um, and that obviously queer is not just um, applicable to sexuality but rather all sorts of non-normative sexual practices and and things that have been disavowed by the state and by society overall um and so i think that jordy was seemed to grasp that um in sort of an indirect way that was really interesting and this is what some folks said about the word bitch Ooh. okay well i guess it depends who i'm talking to gotcha because and i think it, it's really important to see like Who's saying it to who, right? Because if a guy, if I'm walking down the street and there's a guy cat calling me and I don't respond, he's like, bitch. I'm like, well, that's an insult. But if I see like, I don't know, one of my close friends and I'm like, bitch, I haven't seen you in a long time. Like, you know, like that's, I think that's different. So gotcha. for me personally, like if somebody were to call me a bitch, it just really depends on the context. But I think when I see bitch, I'm like, well, I know it's an insult, but I don't tend to use it as an insult anymore. Total like. Um, um, Tip of the tongue. Um, not good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For both of them. Um, no, I think different words come to mind. The interview with men led very naturally into the next question, which is, what's the difference? Between those two words? Yeah. They describe different communities. 
but one can be inclusive of the other in a way, I guess. Okay. Mm. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> if you say something that you really don't want out there, we this can cut it. <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> you don't have to get it perfect. <laughs> There's no right answer, really. I know. I'm, I'm not stressed about this. <laughs> Sorry again. Guys. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get together. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> Understandable. There's been a, there are a lot of those. We also asked folks if they had any personal connection to either of these words. Um, I remember when I was, it was either like early, I think it was early high school. I called my mother a bitch and she whacked me with, she rolled up a magazine and she whacked me. Um, and I think that that was sort of just like, okay, I'm not going to use that word. Um, cause it was just like such a sort of like shocking kind of thing. Um, but throughout high school, I remember all my friends sort of using it and like talking about reclaiming the word and I was sort of against it. We also asked people where they typically hear these words. So I hear queer when talking about the LGBTQIA plus community as an overall community. And I hear the other word used, um, more colloquially and that sometimes it's a term of endearment. Other times it's a, it's an insult and uh, yeah. I'd be very hesitant to say bitch in church, for example. I'm not about to go in and be like, hey, bitch, you hear we're praising? Like, I don't know if we're going to, but I'm going to say that, you know, <laughs> but like. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like the kind of church I might want to go to. <laughs> um, so I guess it depends. One question that generated a lot of different responses was, does intention matter? Yeah, I mean, I think that that informs, like, which, like, how they're saying it. Like, either people are saying it to be mean, or they're saying it to, like, kind of, I'm not even going to try to, like, imitate right now, but, like, <laughs> they're saying it to kind of, to either, like, faux make fun of someone, or, like, be kind of, it's, it's kind of imparts, like, a sense of camaraderie, or even, like, kind of a, there's kind of a feminist spin on it of, like, people who don't necessarily, you know, who aren't obsessed with being nice. So it can be, I've seen it used complimentarily. I'm as a, I'm a big, big um, impact over intent person. Totally. And so I think if a person feels impacted in a negative way, it doesn't really matter what your intent was. It's more about the person that you affected because they belong in that community. And you are the one trying to borrow from that community to use in it. To, like use it in an endearing way but when you start to bother that community then you really don't have any right to use it so yeah i wonder if we can complicate it with a few words that maybe don't have that like kind of have this kind of both connotations have always have been like i think bryce actually mentions this in the word arab which i thought was really interesting which is like you could say arab and it means people who are Ara- who are like who are Arab, and but say it in a different tone, and then it changes meaning entirely. See the same thing with the word Jew, um, which I think is what we look at from Ira Glass's, you know, this American Life podcast is like. So, it's is it possible then to kind of have a word like have 
have a word have totally two different meanings at the same time without this kind of idea of the chorus. Um, like such as the word Arab or Jew. Like it can only be enacted at certain times. Or even woman. I mean, depending on how you say it. And, and then that's a matter of tone. And I, I don't know if there's a difference. Okay, I don't know if there's a difference between like um, using tone to change the word versus like they're actually existing two different definitions of the word. Mm. So it's like, I guess the difference there would be between like a cotton, I don't know like two actual distinct meanings of the word versus like a negative spin versus a positive spin. I don't know if that's different. Well, I think, I think every word has its denoted meaning. Like if you were to go to the Oxford English dictionary and look it up, but then it also has, which is also problematic potentially. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Um, but, but I, I would argue that that for every word, I mean, every word in the English language technically has that, but, but that is like a God trick. The objective meaning? Continue. No, well, hold on. I never thought about it that way. Um, Donna Haraway is the god trick. (laughs) Plug that in. It can't hurt. Um, mm, Actually, I'm going to think about that for a second. I want to come back to that. Um, But yeah, right. I mean, you have the, the denoted meaning and then you have all of the connotations. So like everything would have a denotation and a connotation. And I actually think the connotation is is what this podcast has been mainly dealing in and is actually the majority of the power of words um and one thing that i think is really interesting that we saw people on opposite ends of the spectrum is when we asked what role does intention play um uh, jeremy for instance says well that well that's everything i mean you can have it can mean completely different things based on the intention of the person who says it and then you had men who said I am 100% affect over intention. It doesn't matter how you meant for it to come across. Whatever effect it did have, that is what happened. Um, how did you guys interpret those two different responses? And I'm going to look at the God trick again. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting... Um, I mean, intention over impact is pretty much a discussion no matter what you're talking about, always. Um, I also tend to be more of an impact person. Um, that's not to say that intention isn't important. Uh, and obviously you can only control yourself so far as your intention because you can never know how someone will react to something. Uh, but that's not to say that you shouldn't be aware of it. Um, and I think ultimately you should always have good intentions of course but like you also must know that even with good intentions you are likely going to make mistakes and hurt people along the way yeah i mean i think so i think like like speaking is just like trying as like hard as you can to be as little misunderstood as possible I think that that people who there are people who care a lot and are really careful about their speech and think a lot about what they're saying before they say it. And those people, I think, are very keyed into making sure that their speech is as little misunderstood as possible. And then there are people who are also very careless about the way that they speak and people who don't think that words have as much power um, as maybe other people do. And that, I think, 
is the difference between intention, good intention and bad intention. It, I mean, intentionality in terms of the way you speak, but also like having positive intentions towards someone and meaning not to hurt them versus having negative intentions and attempting to cause them harm. Another point we wanted to hit on was how reclamation changes between different groups. Definitely heard of women being like, she's such a bitch, you know? And whenever I hear that, it definitely is like, ooh, that hurts a little, you know? Like, because it's usually been a term that men use against women. And to have a woman use that in a way that's insulting and perpetuates harm against another woman, I don't think that's necessarily the way we should be using it. I also think about, like, just hearing it, I think about, like, my male friends using it against other women, which makes me really uncomfortable. I don't know why that's the first thing that comes to my mind, but it is. Why do we start using it? Because people use it just for all genders, for behaviors we don't like versus saying it was like, she's a bitch, you know? Right, right. I, I, I don't like saying that, even though I, I do sometimes say that when I'm really upset, but I try not to say that about other women because that just feels icky to me. The ways in which we share information and like experiences has is, well, one, difficult because it's very easy to be isolated. And two, we have to acknowledge we lost an entire generation of queer folks that, due, due to the AIDS epidemic, um, which I think also complicates the situation because of the ways in which a lot of communities have had to kind of rebuild how we've come to understand ourselves and that lineage is also not as direct, I think, is, a, is another factor. I know, you know, when I, I have a, a couple of old scripts lesbians from the 60s who are beekeepers in LA that like I go to visit sometimes and we'll talk because they're still like engaged with Scripps's community. And they're, they talk about, you know, this kind of barrier in some of the language and how they talk about we you know we talk about things and kind of not being understood or heard in specific ways and i think that that also plays a factor in how we come to understand these words and in their histories as well as that you know there's an entire generation of queer folks that are lost that that can kind of complicate that i think one student who we were unable to record had this to say I feel comfortable with non-queer people using the word queer if it's being used instrumentally, kind of with the definition that I talked about earlier. It's easier to say queer than to say non-straight, or to say LGBTQ, and I think other queer people have largely appropriated the word to such a degree that it's kind of come into common vernacular as meaning just non-straight. I feel very, very uncomfortable when people use queer in any sort of derogatory sense, in the same way that people use the word Arab to describe people who are Arab ethnically. But the minute you use it in a derogatory sense is the minute it becomes kind of a nasty word in one's mouth. So yeah, I feel comfortable with straight people using it insofar as it's used not in a negative way. I think it has really mixed connotations. When I use it around people I'm comfortable with, I usually kind of, in in reference to them, I usually mean it relatively positively or saying that they're annoying when I hear other people use it about people I'm not friends with um it definitely has a little bit more of a a negative connotation but I don't feel like it has necessarily like um the the gendered charge that it used to at least in my mind oh interesting yeah like 
I feel like anyone can be a little bitch about something, you know? And it was also really funny. I had a party about two weeks ago and um, I had some alcohol and I actually called my boyfriend a little bitch for not taking a bite of an apple. <laughs> and everyone was shocked that I said that. And I was like, yeah, that that is relatively shocking. But at the same time, I feel like it, it, it characterizes more a type of behavior than necessarily like a type of person. Interesting. I'm going off script here, but is that not because that type of behavior used to be explicitly associated with a type of person? Oh, 100%. I think that's definitely where it came from. But I guess in it's... I think it takes some of like the power of the gender association away from it. If you just start generally like calling people who are timid about something or really sort of stick in the mud about something, if you're saying, oh, stop being a bitch about it, I think no matter their gender, no matter, I I, I guess I feel like it's a good way to sort of try to move away because bitch is not going out of fashion anytime soon. Yeah, so so at one point, uh, one of our interviewees, Soleil, was talking about how to to reclaim a word. Um, it's important to acknowledge that the meaning of the word will likely not change, but one can use it in different contexts such that the the derogatory nature can be weakened. And the example she gave um, was of of her boyfriend who. They were at a party. I was at this party as well. And he was refusing to do something uh, that, that, that the crowd wanted him to do. And she said, Bradley, don't be a little bitch about it. And we were all pretty startled because we thought that was um, kind of to use that, that, that word in that way. But she said by, by using it on, on him, a man, it, it, it acknowledges that it's a word that... <clears throat> um, means timid or, or frightful but it, it's no longer used on a woman so it it expands who it can be be used on and, and that can get rid of the derogatory power i also have a probably my most acute experience with little bitch was also exclusively used on men when i was a counselor at a boys camp the summer after my first year of college and every time a camper counselor or or anybody was not doing as well as people would like, you know, if, if the kid, you know, couldn't swim as far as they were told to swim or couldn't canoe as well as another kid, they would be called a girl or they would be suffering from LBS, which the campers may or may not have been able to figure out what it was, but it's little bitch syndrome. Um, and I found it so utterly appalling because then you you the derogatory yes you're 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 saying they're timid or weak or or whatever and that may and you're calling it to a man so it's not directly accusing or or attacking a woman but the conduit through which that derogatory nature has is the association with femininity and to inextricably link those two i actually don't think it matters who you say it to it reinforces the violent nature of the word to me I, I mean, you've said um, exactly what I would have said. I agree 100%. I think um, it's the, yeah, it's the nature of the word much more so than whoever is on the receiving end of it um, because 
its its specific qualities and and i think i wonder if there's a difference between because like even in the derogatory sense of the word bitch there's some there's some variation because you can call someone a bitch for um doing something you don't like being stubborn um being angry or just generally not conforming to what you would want or expect of them Mm, and then you could call someone a bitch because they're timid or scared or they won't like in the case of like Soleil's case like that they wouldn't do something and so I wonder because they're both both of those meanings are so deeply gendered I wonder if there's any difference between the two I mean just because Soleil is a woman and bitch is a word that has been historically used to oppress women I mean it doesn't mean that women don't partake in the oppression of other women because I mean that's a thing that we saw um I think even even Soleil mentioned it but I don't know but Alejandra said that she whenever she hears um a woman call another woman a bitch in the traditionally derogatory sense of the word she said it felt felt a little icky felt like uncomfortable and and sort of like this little betrayal like in the sense we all how are you partaking in your own oppression and my oppression when you've felt the negative consequences of this? Later in the interviews, we typically ask the students how their relationship to these words changed over time. So definitely in high school, I I probably would be much more hurt if someone called me a bitch. Now I'd be like, yeah, I'm doing something right. If people are calling me a bitch in certain contexts, like I'm irking them in some way, I'm doing something that annoys them. Um, I may be being stick in the mud about something like I'm okay with that. How has your association for these two words changed over time? Um, I think the more I've heard them, the more sort of positive and harmless they have become. Definitely when I was nine, it was a really powerful word. When sort of the first time I understood what queer meant beyond sort of the antiquated meaning of weird, which then, you know, the the negative meaning of queer arose. But hearing queer sort of really used for the first time here at Pomona, those, those words the first time or the first few times were much more powerful. But now that they're incorporated, I, I hear probably both these words every single day. So no longer do they have the same like oomph factor that they once did. But we didn't want to spare our friends the pleasure of esoteric theory. So we ended a lot of the interviews by asking them what they thought the relationship was between words and knowledge. Um, okay, two more quick questions. Okay. Well, this one's not quick because it's sort of a weird question, but wherever it leads you. How do you think words are related to knowledge? Oh, that is a very interesting question. Can you expand on that or give more information? Fuck. <laughs> I wish I could. Okay. Um, I can tell you why we felt it was an important question in the context of our project. Um, we A lot of the, the like formal research that we're going to do and have been doing for mm-hmm. this project focuses on how kind of like situating knowledge right like it's pretty central to feminist pedagogy and so if if we find that words are reclaimed but only by certain groups Mm -hmm. and they only and and when they get used in different groups they mean different things we're wondering what the kind of the effects are for the knowledge that then gets produced Mm -hmm. in those sites i see yeah 
Okay, so when you first started talking, I thought of um, certain words as a sort of like marker. Um, okay. And by that, I mean, a, um, I, it, it's like a, a sort of flag, right? Like where you look at the words being used and then you look at the person who wrote it. So who wrote the article? And then it would make me think like, can they even use this word? You know, is that a word that they are in a way appropriating? And so that's, that's kind of where it leads me to how words produce knowledge or like the relation between that. I think another is, um, I don't, if you're going to look at, I, this might be helpful. I don't know if it is like Chicanx Latinx studies. Like currently I'm in a class. Like it's really interesting to see like sometimes Spanish words being thrown into like English academia, you know? And I think also in that way, like words kind of have a certain way to disrupt knowledge production or say, or it's like a, it's a signifier of like who's producing the knowledge. So I think there might be a relationship between the knowledge producer and the knowledge production that the word might carry over. And the last thing we wanted to get at, because this knowledge is so situational, or in Haraway's words, partial, we asked everybody how they thought their views were similar to and different from those of their peers. Speaking for a different word that I also like identify with, like the N-word because I'm a black male, like I have never been a like supporter of like the reclamation of the word. But with that being said, even though I'm not a supporter, I'm also not actively against. So I don't ever like tell people not to use it unless like I think it's like not a part of their community and they shouldn't use it. But anyone who like identifies with the community that is reclaiming that word, I don't ever say like, oh, you shouldn't use that because I think I do think it's more personal. I do think like mm. some people get power from the reclamation of words while other people like myself don't feel empowered for using words that were used as insults. But because it does help some people and it helps some people cope and it helps some people feel better about their position and feel more powerful in a place where they weren't powerful before, I think is like very valid. And even though I don't personally agree with the reclamation of words, I do think that it has a large importance. And I, I also think that um, there are a lot of people who, who are like, oh, if it should be everyone or no one, I'm kind of like in the middle. It's like the people who it belongs to, they should be able to use it if they want to. And the people who like, it doesn't belong to, it shouldn't use it. So I don't want like my position to sound like I'm on the side of like everyone should use it and very much like just think like some pe people get different things out of it. And most people who don't identify with the community that, that it belongs to, they don't get any real thing by using the word. Again, our student who we weren't able to catch on tape said this, Yeah, I think my relationship with the reclamation of words is weird because, I mean, like, and I get this from classical political theory, humans are tethered together in large part by speech, and words matter a lot to our species. And I feel that if there are words that exist to confirm meanings of negative connotations for certain marginalized groups, then those words do have some real power and they can invoke some real hatred, some real emotion, some real animus. But I think the flip side is that as soon as you start to undermine those very definitions and you start to reclaim those words, you can take away a little sliver of the power that exists. And as you increasingly use the word to not describe someone in a negative regard, but just describe the person period, or to describe them in a positive regard, then you start to slowly but surely kind of say, fuck you, you can't use this language to undermine my existence. I'm only going to use this language against you. And I'm only going to take the word that you've appropriated in a negative sense and use it in a positive one. I think I'm going to assume peers are 
people at Pomona College? I think you can define them however you like. Okay. Or if it's different hmm. with different groups in your life, that would also be interesting. Oh, to, for sure. Oh, 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 okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like with people at Pomona College, I, I like. I think we have very similar views about like queerness or the word queer and the word bitch. And I guess similar views about the appropriate context to use those words in. Um, I cannot go home to my family and basically say bitch left and right like I would. <laughs> that would be very bad. Um, I also think that we would I would probably have to go into a really long discussion about what the word queer means because I think my a lot of my family members tend to be a little bit more old-fashioned and they still still see it as a sort of insult and so they might be concerned as to why I'm using that word or like read it out a little bit like what's going on and and so I think there's a little bit more censorship that when I go back home or even when I go back to my hometown of San Bernardino you know like and there bitch is definitely used as an insult a little bit more so yeah that's a pretty good sample of what we talked to people about here are just a few thoughts that we had as a group once the interviews were over it's just a matter of of deciding what the goal of reclaiming is because um like the the debate around these words is never going to be closed and people will continue to have personal associations and feelings about what words are okay to say and by whom. Um, so I think that reclaiming as a tool is a really powerful tool, um, but it ha- the limitations of it as, um, as a way of changing language and changing what words mean is not something that you can standardize across a large group of people because it's going to be something with very particular meanings and particular benefits and limitations. Yeah, I agree. I wonder if we can look at like Bell Hooks who writes about using theory or words as a way of um, freeing herself from the oppress- from like oppressions that, that, she, that she may have been subjugated to. Like maybe reclaiming words isn't about taking away its meaning or re or re or, or uh, kind of rebranding it in kind of a sick way, but because I think that could also not only that it could also lead to erasure. Um, I think that's also one of the reasons we even talk about it with other words too that are even more that are even seen as more derogatory. This discussion of should we have it and should we should we want to reclaim it or is it too dark to reclaim because we want to preserve the history of our country that's been rooted in like like mass violence and subjugation of so many people. And I also think about, look, like, can we look at re- reclaiming words not in a way of, of kind of like whitewashing or kind of bleaching the history that, of, that these words may have, but using, but, but using words as a way to kind of bring light to things that, may, that have not, that to, to experiences and ideas that have not manifested linguistically yet. I think we see this in the way of queer too. Like to to live on the out to be like um, is a way of being that kind of stands outside of kind of what is the norm and kind of disrupts this idea of of kind of the binary in and out. Um, and so in the way that reclaiming word that reclaiming word still that word like Lucy what you said it still maintains that kind of idea of queer as kind of strange or not norm not normal but it kind of uses that meaning to kind of bring light to an experience that may otherwise not have been given a word to describe it yet. And ultimately, I think that's where we found ourselves. Yes, it's called reclaiming, but it's really about making meanings that have yet to exist.